0: You better prepare for this one. Why? You may think you know everything. He's an idiot. But I'm here to spill the truth. You are delusion.
1: This
0: is the tantalizing truth. Welcome back everyone to season two episode one of the tantalizing truth Thomas Allo and Nick Feta we are back after our holiday break uh Nick how was how was Christmas that's the first question I'm gonna start with uh it was
1: great man it was good to see some fam with a social distancing of course in order but uh it was just good to get a break from everything have some good food uh see some good people and it was just a great time how about you
0: it was good. You know, now we're back on our grind. So, yeah, man. never escape that. <laughs> never escape that. We're going to jump right in to teams who are grinding away at trying to get a lot better, and that is the San Diego Padres. They have acquired former Cy Young winner Blake Snell to, from the Tampa Bay Rays, and they just gave away a bunch of prospects, a couple of which are highly rated in the Padres system and in baseball America. Um, Nick, this is, th- this is a... A win-now move for the Padres, I'd say. This really upgrades their their rotation. You have Lamette. You have Clevenger, even though he's going to be out for the year because he's having Tommy John, but you still have the Sheriff, Chris Paddock. And you have Jake Cronenworth, Will Myers, Tatis, Machado, Hosmer. You add those guys in, and then you you got your bullpen, Kirby Yates and everybody. So this Padres team... Is really looking like a challenger out there in the nationally west to compete with the Dodgers, if you will. And I think that this trade helps them in the right now because con- right now because uh, Snell is under contract for the next three years. I believe he's going to make between the ranges of 11 and 16 million dollars in that time. So it'll obviously increase. But this is a really good win now move for the Padres. Uh, I think that th- they they have catapulted themselves, Nick, if you would agree. Yeah, so I mean echelon of teams. Yeah, you gotta get it's it's very
1: clear you can't win without pitching. Uh that's just a fact at this point. And the Padres went out there and got Blake Snell. The guy's an ace. It's it's that simple. He's one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh it was for the Rays, I think more so damaging in a way, but at the same time I worry because as a Yanks fan, you look at these guys getting these prospects from the Padres who have always been a young team who are now starting to be on the come up that Rays take those prospects from, uh, excuse me, from San Diego, they're going to have guys for the future now, which is not what you want to see as uh, someone who's got to compete against them for years to come. But for the Padres, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a win now move and it's, it's exciting almost because it's a team who hasn't really done much in the past decade, decade and a half, maybe. And now they've got the pieces, like you explained earlier, they've got a squad ready to go and to try and compete for the world series. And that national league West is arguably the most competitive uh, division in the league. And they got to go through, of course, the Dodgers who are the champs. And if you, if you can't get through them, you're not going anywhere. So it's, it's going to be exciting to see with Blake Snell, you know, and he's going to be hungry after getting taken out last year, that whole debacle in in the world series in Tampa, but he's going to be hungry to, to try and lead that pitching staff. And I'm excited to see what they can do. San Diego is, is a team. I think again, like I said, I'm, I'm more excited because they haven't really been one of those powerful star studded teams and right. now that they're getting there. It's exciting to see that new up and coming.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, when you look at last year, they brought up Tatis and he just kind of set the world on fire. Yeah. Even though he didn't win rookie of the year, had a really good season. This year, he comes in the 60-game season and damn near wins the National League MVP. But it rightfully went to Freeman, who we discussed about on our show in season one. But there's there's a new dawn and a new day in San San Diego, as um, Ron Burgundy would like to say. San Diego. I'm not going to say the rest of the line, but you should know what it means. And, you know, this team, I mean, the Dodgers have Kershaw and Walker Bueller and that whole... Dustin May. I mean, they've got three legitimate guys. The Padres have, I think, four now. Yeah. And they're going to – I heard that Jeff Passan of ESPN, who is their main MLB guy, he said they're going to try and get Yu Darvish, who damn near won the National League Cy Young this year. And think about that rotation with Yu Darvish getting into the mix. I mean, I don't know what the Padres would give up at this point because they kind of just drained. they just kind of drained their farm system. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's strange. And he's a guy too, Yu Darvish, who is – he's such a strange – talent for me because he's had some rocky years he's had some remarkable outstanding years but yeah I mean he was close to the Cy Young award last year and if he can do that again this year if he goes to San Diego that's going to be just a a straight up problem because if the the key is you can't find a team in the MLB who does not have at least two guys who you put out on the mound to start a game and the other team's like god damn here we go we got to face this guy it's that simple if you don't have those, at least two guys who can go out and you are just utterly confident in saying, yeah, we're winning this game with him on the mound. If you don't have those two guys, at least you're not winning anything.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. And looking at um, MLB.com, at their prospect rankings, they gave up uh, Cole Wilcox, who was their seventh-ranked um, seventh prospect in their organization. Luis Patino, who was their number three-ranked prospect. And then they also gave up uh, Francisco Mejia, who has been an up and down prospect for them. Uh, they're not really sure what his deal is, but, and they're giving up Blake Hunt as well, who's another catching prospect, their 14th ranked prospect. So they kind of just drained their top, mostly their top 20 prospects in their organization. And this all according to MLB.com, of course. And going to the race, who is a team that already has a loaded farm system. I mean, they have the number one prospect in baseball, and now they just added four kids who are within the top 20 of one team and one of them's top five in one of the, in that team. So now the raised farm system is even more loaded than it already was. Yeah. And you got to imagine as a team, as us Yankees fans, as a fan of you say the blue Jays who are making their way up and then a team like, like Baltimore, who just seemingly never puts together <laughs> a quality roster except for those two years in the middle of the last decade. They, they're going to have a hard time. And then the Red Sox as well, who are in a rebuilding phase. So the AL East is looking absolutely loaded. And I, the Rays, despite them losing Charlie Morton, who went to Atlanta, and now Snell's gone, Zanino's probably going next, their catcher. They're going to unload the team, but they are maximizing their assets in return. And they're going to mostly go for prospects, Nick. If I'm the Yankees or any other team, in the American League, competing for, let's say, a wild card spot. I don't think I want to see the Tampa Bay Rays anytime soon because this team is going to be incredibly dangerous.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, it's, it's rare to see teams drop off significantly from where they were in a past season. And considering the Rays completely blew their expectations out of the water with the shortened season last year, I just see no way that they're going to drop off and become not a threat in the American League and for the World Series again. You know, it's, it's, it's again, it's pitching, pitching wins, everything. And when their bats came alive and did the right thing, you know, it's anything can happen in the postseason, especially. But again, yeah. You, you want to talk about being Yankee fans. I don't even think the Yankees stood a chance beating them in the, AL, the ALCS. It just did not, or the ALDS, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. It just did not make any sense to me. I was, I was like, Oh, we got to face them already. I was hoping we either someone was going to knock them out or we would have to deal with them in the championship series. But yeah, they're they're a threat to get right back there. I have no disagreement with you on that.
0: And Nick, um, you did mention that they were one of the better teams. They were actually very good in 2018. They won 90 games. Yeah. 2019, they followed it up. They won 96 games. And they made it all the way to the ALDS, where they lost to the Cheaters. And then this year, <laughs> of course, they make it all the way to the World Series. And I was very, very scared of this Rays team coming into the year because their pitching is by far in a way superior to the Yankees in every, every way possible. there's, There's no going around that. And Kevin Cash, who it was my opinion is the best manager in baseball other than maybe Bob Melvin out in Oakland. You know, he plays great matchups. He always puts in the right pitchers and that bullpen is just one stable of, of studs. I mean, Nick Anderson, John Curtis, um, Diego Castillo I and mean, I can go on and on and yeah, they have having that damn bullpen, which just annoyed the Yankees and the Astros all all postseason as well as the Dodgers, you could say. But this is a really good trade, I think, for both sides. For the Padres, it puts them in a win now position, and the Rays just basically stripped sacked the uh, the Padres farm system, and now they're yeah. going to be even better than they already were. So, uh, congratulations to the Rays for finessing another team and you know yankees fans embrace for pain
1: and we gotta hope we gotta hope something happens <laughs> that's, this, that's uh, all i can say embrace as for the, the new pain. year as the new year approaches we gotta hope oh. we can the yanks do something to, to try and counter a rival at least yeah I, yeah with the state of our team from last year you got to make
0: a move it's that simple it's been pretty quiet so far sadly yes oh. Moving along here, we're going to talk a little NFL football before we spend the next 500 years talking about the two games in the NBA that happened last night. <laughs> Sunday night football is the game, Nick, I want to focus on first. Okay. My Green Bay Packers kicked the living shit out of the Tennessee Titans. I believe the final score was 40 to 14 in favor of the Packers. Devonte Adams had like three receiving touchdowns. AJ Dillon, who uh, I was yelling about earlier in the day, I don't think that he was going to be able to replace Aaron Jones. Turns out he's more than capable. He shut me up real quick. Aaron Rodgers just kind of picked that Tennessee secondary apart. And all year is the Tennessee secondary is all we've been hearing about. Just people raving about how good it is. Aaron Rodgers just has kind of put them to shame. So, Nick, last night, did Aaron Wat- Rodgers win the MVP? I want to start with that because he <sighs> played a hell of a game. He played a hell of a game.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really hard to decide at this point because – you look a lot at stats, of course, and this guy. When, when, oftentimes when the Packers win, he's a stat sheet, stat sheet stuffer, and when they lose, there's nothing there for him. I, obviously, that goes hand in hand. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would put, I would pick him as my, as my MVP. I think I, I did love Russell Wilson early in the season, but his numbers aren't necessarily there. Um, you could say Mahomes too, but he hasn't had a great last couple of games. I think, yeah, the case that needed to be made for Aaron Rodgers was a few weeks ago, maybe week 12 or 13. He had to go the rest of this season just plowing through teams with great stats, and that's what he's been doing. So, yeah, I would, I would pick him. I think also something that did help the Packers last night was Tennessee is not used to playing in the snow.
0: Yeah, the snow. That's Green the, Bay, yep. of
1: course, is always ready. You got to be snow. if you're going to play there. So And Rodgers has been playing there his whole career. He knows exactly what to expect in that weather. Ryan Tannehill and his squad definitely were not ready for that. That offense is much better than 14 points, but in the snow, I guess not.
0: In the snow is like, is like in Madden, you have the X-Factor ability. That's oh, yeah. Like, that's Aaron Rodgers' yeah. X-Factor ability. It's not it's fair.
1: It's not fair. And if
0: you, if you know the Green Bay Packers, and I've been watching them for a long time, the snow just enhances the team. I don't know what, what magic is in the air over there, but when I eventually make it to Lambeau Stadium, I will find out. I don't. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, this, these stats are, like, absurd. 231 yards on 21 of 25. Like, that's incredible. Threw for four touchdowns, only one pick. A.J. Dillon, who's the, the rookie we drafted out of Boston College, 124 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones didn't really do anything, but I don't think they're going to keep him around. We'll get to that in a second. Devontae Adams caught three touchdowns. I mean, come Figures. on. All the time, and the complaint has been for most of this season, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough weapons. And I mean, Marquise Valdez Scantling is not very good. He only really can run a deep route, but he has stone hands and I don't really trust him. Alan Lazard can be good, but he not only does he not show up some games, he's just never, he's just never available sometimes, but the offensive line is just second to none. And the secondary, which has been a problem for years is finally really good. Yeah. They have some, they have Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Kevin King. I mean, the secondary is really good, finally. You know, you rotate it with players like uh, Kenny Clark on the defensive line with Rashawn Gary, who has really stepped up this year. Preston Smith, who people were given a lot of flack for lack of effort. He's really shown up this season. Nick, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because, I mean, the lack of offensive weapons, yet Aaron Rodgers is just is just that good. But... Here's where we get to our second question. The Green Bay Packers all year, Nick, have been notoriously horrible at stopping the run. Last night, they held Derrick Henry to 98 rushing yards. Is there a chance that they can make it to the Super Bowl, let alone win it? Is there a chance?
1: Make it, I think, yes. Win it, I don't think so. Um, Again, yeah, like what I said before, you look at Aaron Rodgers when he plays... When the Packers are dominant, he is just not fair behind under center. Yeah. He's just not fair. But when they lose, he doesn't look great. I'm not saying it's always his fault, but he when they lose, he doesn't look great. Guys on his offense don't look great, obviously. But And it's, it's the thing is with their losses that it's not many of them have been like, oh, you should have won that game. It's just this happened. The few losses they have are just not pretty games. And in the playoffs, not every game is going to be pretty, but you can't, play poorly you can't make mistakes in the playoffs if you want to win do they have home field advantage actually I'm sure you know better yeah than right not. now they're they've clinched it or the number
0: one overall C in the NFC so if they're riding through home
1: home field advantage in Lambeau the entirety of the playoffs
0: and it's yeah, snowing
1: yeah I think the home field advantage of course helps but in the Super Bowl I think the AFC is just so much more talented as a as a, as a conference than the NFC Um, but if they get there again, it's the Super Bowl. anything can happen. I think it is realistic. I wouldn't say they're my pick. I don't really have a pick right now. I think I got to wait until the season finally finishes. So I guess we'll get into that next week or something, but, uh, I think it's possible. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, that, uh, sense of security with my, my pick. I know it means so much.
0: Oh man. I mean, look, I don't know if they do make it. I just, I just don't think they're going to be able to match up with the chiefs. Well, again, Chiefs, you don't know if
1: they're going to get there, man. They've looked vulnerable these past couple weeks, And they've been running
0: through everybody all year. They've one
1: loss. Except the Falcons. Except the Atlanta Falcons. Okay,
0: well, all right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting.
1: It'll be very interesting. I love the Bills, too. I think the Bills got a chance to stop them.
0: I I was really high on the Saints. The Saints. The, the Saints could, could uh. The Saints could show up, but Michael Thomas just hates getting on the field. That's exactly
1: the issue. Without him, it's it's gonna be tough.
0: That's your that's your fantasy buddy, him and yeah. Hopkins, who two pe- they've let you down. I horribly. don't even
1: I don't even care anymore. I'm already done with that. But <laughs> um, oh
0: my god!
1: What if um, we transition now to I think the most heated the Yeah, the I'm most just, heated division race in the NFL I, I, yeah
0: I was about to bring up the NFC least <laughs> because I know that your Giants vet yesterday versus the Ravens and no offense Nick oh, I mean, I, this will be offensive but no offense to you personally they had no chance yesterday the
1: fact this is all I thought yesterday the fact that the Giants are 5 and 10 and can make the playoffs still
0: that's is really simply
1: bad. all I'm asking for because if we miss the playoffs and go 5 and 11 we'll still get a top 10 pick Somewhere in the yeah, that's late, good. I don't know, eight to 10 or something, and I will be totally yeah. fine. The season has been pretty enjoyable to watch. Or if we make the playoffs, we'll get a latter half pick just because we're in, but at least we're in and we get to play for something.
0: All I could ask what you, for what the hell are you playing for?
1: Well, I mean, frankly, for fun, <laughs> I know Not there's sure, no way that. we're going anywhere in the playoffs <laughs> if we answer. get in. Good answer, but good all, answer. all you can ask for in December is games that mean something, right? I mean. Again, thank God we are not Jets fans where the games that mean something to you you are games you blow by winning those idiots, frankly. But for the NFC, I mean, it's crazy to me the fact that if the Eagles had won, everyone would still be in. Everyone would still have a chance. But you have three teams at the last week who can win. And, I mean, I'm, I'm scared of Washington winning at least a little bit. But I think Philly's going to be a spoiler. That's the one thing the NFL does so well. I mean, they do many things well, but each game in the last week is a division rival division matchup. It means something. So it's, it's just so exciting to me, at least that. And I'm, I actually am happy. I think that the Cowboys giants game should have moved to Sunday night instead of the Redskins, oh, excuse me, football team and Eagles. But you know, it is, it's going to be exciting at those two games, the one o'clock and then the Sunday night, they're going to mean so much because then if the giants lose, I won't care about the Sunday night football game, but if we win, then oh my goodness. I would never say this in any other term. Let's go birds.
0: <laughs> oh my god. So ED, EDP 445 would be so happy that you said that man. We
1: will we will see man. It's it's going to be exciting. That's the yeah. the NFL has been very well run this year even with all the COVID drama going on with with certain teams, but it has been very very exciting this season. A lot of good teams, a lot of teams who are underperforming but are still having a chance like the NFC East. <laughs> So it's it's going to be great. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I mean this is going to be I mean this division picking it is just a headache. Oh yeah. But the Giants the Giants looked a lot better this year. I thought their defense looked a lot defense more Defense is the one
1: thing I I will always back up and saying great job even when they great. don't play great on certain times. Because the offense doesn't stay on the field to give him rest.
0: Well, no. So, nope. I mean, Jason Garrett is your offensive coordinator. And unfortunately, Nick, <laughs> clapping is not a playbook. Clapping <laughs> doesn't help anything. Sterling Shepard only caught his second touchdown catch yeah, yesterday, it is which is really sad. That guy
1: could be so much better.
0: And I, as much as the defense, their front is really good. I like the secondary. It's just the linebackers need a little bit of work there. But you can't win with Darius Slayton being the number one. He, I, don't think he can, I yeah. just don't think he can do it. Our O-line
1: also has not been superb. It had a it's few not, it's been moments. better. It's it been has better. been better, but the game against the Ravens, the game against the Cardinals, that was the ugliest game to watch.
0: Well, I mean, uh, the Ravens' front is just yeah, really good. Yeah, that's true.
1: But Daniel Alexis Jones, Campbell,
0: Patrick Queen, I mean, come on, man.
1: He's just getting hit too much, and it's just not a fair assessment of him, I think, when he's getting so much pressure on him. Because right. obviously, any quarterback, if they get pressured, the turnover likelihood is going to be higher. And that and is not one thing he's Saquon done. Back there. And that's another thing that I think I forget almost every week when we go out and play that I think so many other giant NFL fans, let alone Giant fans, forget that this guy has been out all season. He, he played the first game and a half, and we haven't been garbage. Everyone thought it was, ah, oh, here we go. Let's, let's see what pick are we going to fight for this year. You know, I mean, we were five and seven before we lost three straight, but no matter what happens, I'll still be happy with this season because it was at least something worth watching. You knew every game meant something rather than the past couple of years where it's, ugh, after the first four games, let's fight for that top pick. Whereas the Jets, they, they can't change their mind on that one.
0: Oh, God. Shout out to John Luca and Greggy, two of our friends from the show, those poor Jets fans. Oh, God. I, I generally don't want to talk about that game. No, all I will say is this All I will say is this: You beat the Browns who had a four hour delay on their plane and had like a five a m walk through
1: let alone that's, they that's, had that's
0: all I got for that they I, had I about really say anything else
1: zero healthy receivers, I believe
0: a couple practice
1: squad yeah. guys had to come up and play for them I, I know, so it's uh yeah but i I like Cleveland even though they they beat us last week I still I'm a little annoyed that the Jets beat them because now their playoff hopes it's a must win against Cleveland next week or against Cleveland (laughs) against Pittsburgh next week Um, but again makes things exciting you know I I think every game should be important in the end and for the most part they are so it's good to see
0: Giants wrap up their season next week versus Skip Bayless's Dallas Cowboys (laughs) and Stephen A's most hated fan base of all time Which, by the way, he's not joking when he say he hates Cowboys fans. He's, like, genuine about that. And as much flack as I give ESPN for being a little phony, Stephen A. is very genuine, and he's very genuine specifically on that. Next week, Green Bay plays the Bears, the most inferior team to our division. So uh, good luck, Allen Robinson. I hope that when you leave the Bears, you get paid. Please come to Green Bay. i love (laughs) that. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to afford you because we're also going to let Aaron Jones walk. Anyway, speaking of teams fighting for something and not just draft picks.
1: The well, Knicks. careful careful with that saying it's it's only 2 games the in. The
0: Knicks, <laughs> Nick, the Knicks won yesterday. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. They they didn't beat they blew them out by 20, yeah. 130 to 110. Oh my god, we're going to win the finals. We're going to we're gonna party like it's 1999. We're gonna to go to the finals, but actually win it this time as the eighth seed. Oh, I'm so happy! I am so happy! I have so many great things to say. Nick, I'm gonna let you go first. What are your takeaways from last night's game? You go first. Ah, oh,
1: man. I mean, we'll start by saying let's let's take a chill pill as as all Knicks fans. It is spectacular to beat Milwaukee. <laughs> One of my great friends is a diehard Bucks fan. He's got so many connections with the organization. So just being able to beat them was a nice little uh. Rubbing in moment for me yesterday, but something that is definitely clear is we have some guys who can play basketball. It's just whether or not they can do it consistently. That's you look true. at game, the first few games against Indiana and then against Philly, the Knicks played great in the first half. I they
0: think they were, had they leads were with in, both in, teams the whole way until like the last five minutes. And then thing. they blow yeah. it.
1: That is cl- yeah. most classic Knicks fashion, but that was the exact opposite of what happened against the Bucks. We were killing them the whole game and it's because we played a full game of basketball.
0: Right.
1: So if we can as a team finish games, play from first tip-off to the final buzzer, we have a chance to I, I don't know about playoffs. That's again, that's Don't
0: use the P word. Don't yeah, use true. the P word. That's a dangerous thing to P say. I, I as as crazy as my intro was, don't actually <laughs> use the P word. Like I'm not being serious. Um it's it's just ex, it's
1: exciting to be able to see, you know, I, I was I didn't watch any of the game actually because I figured there was no point. But I was baffled when I looked at the score, and I was like, "What?" It was halftime. I think they were up fourteen. I was like, "Oh my! How is this possible?" And the great part about it too is the guy who who I think is going to be through the end of the season the best player on this team by the end of the season, RJ Barrett. He didn't even play great. I mean, he had seventeen points, but
0: he he definitely he he. Well, okay. Well, I we'll get to Barrett in a minute. Go, keep going, keep going.
1: Uh, and then even Julius. I mean, again, this guy is talented. He's talented when he when he's on. Julius had. 29-14-7, 29-14-7, and, and then I don't know where the hell Alfred Payton came from, but <laughs> even this guy played great. Uh, the
0: Elf came off the shelf.
1: Right? Yeah. So it's, it's just – if, and I've always, I've always thought Alfred Payton's not a bad player. Scoring 26, he won't do. Again, I bet this season. But no, he won't. My, my takeaway, if I want to leave it on one thing I, I just said, is if the Knicks can play a full game of basketball, 100% effort, which I think – Tom Thibodeau is going to be able to get them to do more often than not throughout this season. They have a chance to at least be exciting and entertaining to watch. And I think that's all you can ask for as a Knicks fan.
0: I most certainly agree that getting them to play hard for the talent that they have acquired for this season, which by the way, the roster construction way better than it was last off season way better. I mean, yep. who the hell, I mean, <laughs> Ugh, like Bobby Portis Taj I don't even want Whatever. to get into that Whatever. that atrocity. The Randall signing was like the one the one I liked only because he at least is an actual player. Yeah. And Marcus Morris but we just ended up trading him. But the rest of those people were awful. Um but from a pure roster construction standpoint this time around sure it's not like we acquired uh DJ Mbenga <laughs> or, uh, or Ricky Leto. They, they got some quality like talent, like Alec Burks, who has been phenomenal to start the season, as well as Austin Rivers, who's going to come in and really help. I think that both of them have booted two players out of the Knicks' future plans. and One of them is Dennis Smith, who came over in the Porzingis trade. He, he got hurt again, but when he's been in, he just hasn't looked like the Dennis Smith of high school or college. You know, He's taken a lot of jump shots. He's not even drawing the iron. He's hitting the glass. Yeah. And sometimes it won't even be a bank shot. It just goes off the glass and into the opponent's hand. So, unfortunately, Dennis Smith has been kicked off the roster. And I think the other player that's definitely on the way down, I wouldn't say, not as, not as hard as DSJ fell, but definitely on the way down might be Kevin Knox, you know? Yeah. Um... He, he's definitely someone that I'm going to kind of wave a red flag on as the season goes on, only because... He's not scoring up to par. I mean, he's doing everything else, grabbing rebounds, he looks more engaged on defense, diving for loose balls, which he did a couple times last night. But don't be surprised if Leon Rose pulls the trigger and boots, boots him off the team at the trade deadline or something like that. But man, they played one hell of a game last night. Mitchell Robinson, who we owe him and Alfred Payton an apology as well as Julius Randle. We owe all three of them apologies. Mitchell Robinson played 35 minutes last night and had two fouls the whole game. He had two fouls, Nick.
1: Yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Two fouls. Think about that. He didn't have six. He had two. And that guy he, is a butcher. What he, he, he didn't bite for pump fakes. He actually looked, looked very good. He looked very good. Julius Randall. He's not spinning anymore so far anyway. So we're going to give him an apology. And then Alfred Payton, who was atrocious, rightfully so, gets yelled at on Twitter and then shows up and looks like Steph Curry. (laughs) So uh, apologies to the three of them, but it's one game. So we got it, like you said, we got to take a chill pill, but I liked what I saw from this game. I really did. And who knows? Maybe we don't have to tank for the number one pick.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping those days are over. Um, I'm actually a little bit worried, though, that they aren't and I'll, I guess just to kind of summarize everything else that's happened in the NBA, here's why I say that Cleveland has been playing remarkable basketball through three games. They're one of the only teams undefeated. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm not you, saying right. a
1: team o- Orlando is never a tanking team, but they're also undefeated. Um, Minnesota has won, I think one or two games maybe. Um, well,
0: cat, cat, cat got hurt. So, uh.
1: so that is again, I, I, that guy has just has been going through it so hard, but uh it's just yeah, the hope is that other teams then or who knows, maybe a team will replace us as a garbage tier, bottom <laughs> of the gutter, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um but but one thing that has at least been exciting for the entire league is that no team necessarily looks I would say the Knicks did if they didn't show that they could play basketball against the Bucks last
0: night. Yeah. That would yeah, that would probably be the one team.
1: But no team has really shown that they are and it's good for the league. Don't get me wrong. No team has shown that they are just absolutely terrible. Um, then again, it's still very early. But one thing that is still certain is like last night, the Clippers – or excuse me, the Lakers played the Wolves and it was an absolute blowout. If we want to talk about what is I'm, – I'm going to say confidently a fluke, the Mavs-Clippers game where the Clippers lost by 51
0: points, the oh largest –
1: loss i think in the shot clock era or
0: maybe it was the halftime deficit no that's the that's the biggest loss in the shot clock era yeah exactly that oh my i don't even want to talk about that, so that was it's just so bad like i don't even want to yell at them today i um, i think it's just
1: very strange with with the nba for two reasons you it's it's going to be an, a completely unpredictable and wild season i think playoff seedings will not matter at all it's just who gets in and who does not yeah um, well there's
0: no fans this time
1: yeah so really for me it's 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 these two things it's the shorter off season that has guys either wired to keep playing, wired to come back and play, or for the guys who did not get to go to the bubble, wired to finally play again. Um, I'll give an example. The Bulls have looked pretty solid through their first couple of games. Um, mm. Usually they're, well, I don't know. I would say solid because they were close with, the war, I don't know, the Warriors are not good anymore either. But no, the either Warriors way,
0: have just, that's been horrible. Yeah,
1: either way, the message is that It's too early. Obviously, it's too early in two games, but this whole season is going to be unpredictable because of that slow start and because guys are just so much better. I don't know what the right word is. Better accustomed to either playing long-term, like, uh, of course, LeBron is going to get his rest when he needs to rest, but this guy just came off a win in the championship in October, and boom, he's back in December playing. These guys who haven't played since, whether it was they got knocked out in the bubble or didn't get to go to the bubble, they're going to have to work their way back. Or maybe they're right. hot one night and another team's not. And again, the fans, home games don't really matter. So it's going to be really hard to tell what, what's going to go on in these games. I mean, the Christmas Day games, I think I don't even think any of them were close.
0: No. Those, right? That was all, by far the worst collection they were all of Christmas Day games ever.
1: Yeah. The Heat blew out the Pelicans. The Lakers uh, blew out the Mavs. The Bucks blew out the, Clip, uh, the Warriors. And the Clippers blew out the Nuggets. It was just like... And honestly, if I had to pick winners of each game, I would have gone that way. But if you told me by double digits in every game, I would have said, well, that seems a little crazy.
0: And yeah. it was
1: just, you know, but that's, that's the thing. I'm not saying any – I mean, the Bucks and Bucks are a much better team than the Warriors. But
0: no, those, just- were,
1: those were solid – I would say it was a solid Christmas Day slate. But it means nothing right now because these guys are playing basketball like they've never played basketball before. So it's going to be totally – Wild and unpredictable, but again, that has been the motto of this entire year, and I'm sure we'll trickle into to hopefully not a lot of 2021, but certainly some of it. Um, so it's going to be a crazy season. Again, Knicks beating the Bucks 130 to 110 is crazy enough to show we're in for something unique, special, fun, exciting, and completely wild.
0: Yeah, this is definitely going to be a, a circus of a season. not Not in a bad way, of course, but just... Anything can happen. And if you want to talk about anything can happen, remember the friggin' Charlotte Hornets yesterday beat yep. the Brooklyn Nets 106 to 104. Not who the hell, exactly. like, who, who, who would think that a team like the Hornets who have been rebuilding for, since their rebrand <laughs> from the Bob, well, since they became the Bobcats who have been rebuilding since whenever that happened could beat the friggin' Brooklyn Nets. And Durant, this is coming out probably on Tuesday, but Durant is not going to be playing on the Monday night game for rest because it's a back-to-back. But Spencer Dinwiddie tore his ACL. So Kyrie Irving is going to be alone out there with Karis LeVert for the most part, unless Joe Harris just hits like 25 threes, which, well, luck out if he does that. But anyway, I watched the highlights of this game, Nick, and the Brooklyn Nets – they have to realize that they can lose. That's the first thing oh, I yeah. would say about them. Because I know that you've got the two, the two superstars and then you've got one hell of a bench, which by the way, that could probably be a starting lineup if you put that on any other NBA team. But they need to realize that they can lose. And any night can be your night in the NBA. You just never know. If you remember from the last dance when 2K legend David Aldridge, who we always skip in the <laughs> pregame intros when you play my team game, he told the LeBradford Smith story where it was just some. Oh, yeah. it was, remember that? Yeah. Yep. So it was the Wizards draft pick in that 92-93 season. And they played the Bulls in a back-to-back. LeBradford Smith dropped 32 on Michael Jordan's bean. And it just, it can, anyone can be really good. Like we saw last night with Alfred Payton. And we saw with, with um, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, like the, the Hornets guard stepped up. You know, they don't have the brightest of futures, but they've got some players. And the collective effort beat the Brooklyn Nets of all teams. And their team was pretty much healthy until Dinwiddie went down. But I wouldn't be too concerned about this loss if I'm a Nets fan. Only because, like you said, this is a weird season. Anything's going to happen, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if our intramural teams at Fordham could beat the Houston Rockets or the Los Angeles Lakers on a night, because this is just, it's that unpredictable. But, you know, they just have to realize they can lose. I think that's the far most important thing they have to realize early in the season, and they have to come into play every night. And you know what? Last night was an exception, but I have no doubt that the Brooklyn Nets are going to just start wiping the floor with teams, Nick.
1: Yeah. That's what I think every team has to realize. You can lose. You are beatable. Um, you know, I think the Nets losing Dinwiddie is a much bigger blow than people are are going to uh, portray it as. That guy was one of their best players, if not their best player, without Katie and Kyrie there last year. Um, I
0: would say Levert. But yeah,
1: one of if not. Yeah, one you of could those argue two. it. But, yeah, one of those two. And either way, he's a top five player on that team, and him going down, it's going to hurt any team. doesn't matter if you got two superstars. Um, so – um, yeah, I know it's 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 ironic because I do like Brooklyn. I like the Nets. I hope they do well, considering they just have much more talent than the Knicks. I think I can say I can root for them <laughs> without kind of us being on like a clashing competitive level. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping they do well. I, exactly what you said about that that game. It means nothing. You just got to bounce back, learn that you can't take any game for granted. You got to go out and play and play to win. It's that simple.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie, who you mentioned, is a he's a really big piece to them because we know Kyrie is a point guard, but he's not really like a, a pure point guard who's going to get, you know, he's going to drop 40 and he's going to get like three assists while doing it. You know, that's that's just his game. That That's his game. That's the reality of what he has become. And he's also not going to be healthy. And as much as I hate to say it, you know, you need to brace for that as well. And losing Dinwiddie, he tore his... Tore ACL, so he's pretty much out for the entire season. And that's something you never want to see. But Dinwiddie is a pure point guard. And now that he's not going to be, be there for the rest of the way, this is, this is a sneaky blow for them. And Steve Nash has to find ways to get creative and pull guys up. If they have someone in the G League, who that is, I have no idea. But they got to figure out ways to get, get themselves another point guard. I and mean, if you guys want Dennis Smith, give us a second-round pick. You can have him. You can have Dennis Smith. You can have Alfred Payton if you want to. You can have him. I don't well, care. be
1: careful. That's one of our leading scores. No, uh,
0: <laughs> will you shut up? I mean, if you, you need, you're going to need someone like that. Um, you look at maybe the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Rondo got arrested for assault recently, but I don't know. Can you trade for someone like him? Uh, I, I don't know what they, they do for a backup point guard at this point. You just need to hope Kyrie can stay healthy yeah. for most of the year. And then you got to find a free agent or something to To help you out in that spot. But I, I think the Nets will be fine. I think they'll find a way to get around this. And I'm really excited to watch them play. As a Knicks fan, saying that is weird. But I mean, Kevin Durant is, is so fun to watch because he oh, just yeah. virtually can shoot over anybody. I think he's going to make an MVP, MVP case for this season. If you yeah, there's a chance.
1: Desire. I think it's, it's, it's a stretch for people to say he's the best player in the East. I think someone, you know, it's, again, so early and Giannis has just been so dominant these past few years. I don't think you can take that crown away from him yet. Um, But, yeah, KD can definitely make that sort of push, as long as he hopefully stays healthy, because, again, it's still very early. But that is the good part, the exciting part about the early parts of the NBA season. You can just make any sort of claim, any sort of prediction, and you got the entirety of the year to see how it plays out. So it's a great season that we're uh, hopefully going to be able to get entirely through, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for this year. All that and more. We're excited to be back here on season two of The Tantalizing Truth. For Nick Feta, I'm Thomas Aiello. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please be sure to hit the like on uh, Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Pod. Please follow us on both of those. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram at The Tantalizing Truth Show. We have a new logo. It's way better than the first one that we had. (laughs) I can safely say that. Um, You know what? I'm happy to be back doing this, Nick.
1: Yeah, of course, man. And big announcement.
0: Nick finally has learned how to edit on GarageBand. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> I, uh, I, guess that's, I guess I guess I got to take, take that role on now. Not necessarily <laughs> something I, I'm excited to do, but it's a partnership. So we'll, uh, we'll get to this.
0: it. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. If yes, you've sir. ever played middle school sports. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. We're going to try and get a guest, two guests, in fact, for our next episode. So stay tuned for that until next time, follow us on Instagram. Once again, at the tantalizing truth show, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple pod and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. for Nick Fata. I'm Thomas. Hello, saying so long. We'll see you guys later. Thanks guys.